Jalen Brunson scores 48 points and guides the New York Knicks past the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll have it all for you right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PricePix.com promo code Locked On. And who's talking to you? I am Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. So hit that subscription button, hit that notifications bell, never miss an episode again. And why would you when you're following? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a team that's going to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the New York Knicks did not miss a beat. Sands Julius Randall riding another defensively dominant fourth quarter, um, to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers a night after, um, outscoring Miami in the fourth 25 to 16, a nip and tuck game became not a blowout, but a clean win for the Knicks as they allowed just 14 points in the fourth after giving up 47 points in the opening quarter of play. What flipped, we'll tell you in a little bit. But first, we have to discuss Jalen Brunson, 18 for 32 from the floor, 7 of 12 from three-point range, 5 for 8 from the free throw line, also had 9 assists, 4 rebounds to uh, complement a career-high 48 points for Jalen. And this was in 38 minutes. If, If Tibbs went full Tibbs, he probably could have had 60 in this ball game. It was, it it feels almost weird to talk about, right? Because it wasn't an atypical performance from Brunson in terms of the types of shots he was making, Um, particularly from two point range. They were just coming in higher volume. I think what was atypical was his three point shooting, um, a a skill that um, at the beginning of this year, in in terms of his ability to self-create them, we we, we still were were begging for him to up the attempts, um, continue to work them in off the dribble, and he has gotten to the point where, and, and I think if, if you want to make a, you want to make an argument for Jalen Brunson being the most improved player in the NBA this year, it centers around this fact. He was not a good spot. He was not a good off the dribble three-point shooter a year ago. He was an elite spot up three-point shooter. And if you were to ask me my, my single biggest offensive concern for Brunson coming into the season, it was that it was that a lot of his efficiency from behind the arc derived from playing with arguably the best creator in basketball and Luka Doncic getting fed is uh, getting spoon fed a diet of easy corner threes and the fact that he was pretty automatic on them. But in retrospect, it should have been pretty clear that his, his three point shot off the dribble was scalable because he was such a good shooter from a standstill perspective and was a lead at creating long twos, taking a couple steps back, Turns out not that hard for him. Again, five for eight from three. I mean, the stretch that really stood out to me after a 21-point first quarter, he really got cooking again about halfway through the second. Had back-to-back big threes. Um, one of them came off of Emmanuel quickly penetrating to the lane, doing kind of a corkscrew turnaround in midair. 
throw it back out to Brunson, cash, um, and then just came down in transition and and banged home another one again off of a pass from Emmanuel quickly. And it just there was I mean, if you remember the first game for Brunson, that Miami game coming back off of injury, um, you should remember because it was like three days ago. Um, he he just didn't look like himself, didn't look explosive, wasn't really getting to his spots. And for that to transform in two days gives you an idea of, of just the borderline deranged level of confidence this guy hasn't has in himself because he was he was just dancing with the basketball. I don't know any other way to describe it. it looked like looked like choreographed ballet the way he was he's swerving, spinning, um, like reversing one way, reversing the other, then spinning back to the original direction before hitting a fadeaway shot. And Cleveland, as much as it looked like in the first quarter that this was going to maybe be the Donovan Mitchell game when he started off eight for eight for 24 points. It quickly became apparent that he, he couldn't keep up with what Jalen Brunson was doing because it was, it was relentless for Brunson outside of a short stretch in the third quarter where he got a little chucky and was missing some tough shots. There was, there was just nothing for Cleveland to do with him. And then down the stretch of this ball game, I, I thought this was an interesting dichotomy The the Knicks remember in the, in the fourth quarter against Miami, they went with their bench unit, right? They are, okay, not, not their bench unit, but, but kind of a hybrid unit, right? It was, it was Emmanuel Quickly, it was Quinn Grimes, it was Josh Hart, it was RJ Barrett, and it was Isaiah Hardenstein, a defensive first group. And, and Tibbs played that unit the whole fourth quarter. They started off this fourth quarter pretty well, playing a similar group. Deuce McBride was in there for Quentin Grimes. Um, but then they get back to Quentin Grimes, they get back to Jalen Brunson because he was, he was just playing too well to keep him on the bench. Um, and it was like the Knicks straddled kind of both both those lines of playing elite, swarming defense. Josh Hart, in particular, flashed in the fourth quarter as he was he he just made play after play after play um, off the ball, like a, a attacking passes. And 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 to me, that is if you're guarding someone like a Donovan Mitchell or a Darius Garland. That is the single best thing you can do. And, and, and look, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible to play like press coverage for, for 12 minutes, much less for 36 minutes on a guy and just not let him touch the basketball. But if, if you're a heart, you're maybe wiping two, three, four baskets off the table. I mean, every time you, you, you get a strip, get a steal, um, just touch a ball and make them go later into a shot clock. And, and, and that kind of pressure on the um, perimeter was supplemented by what Isaiah Hartenstein was was doing in the paint, and we're going to get into um, Hartenstein's passing in this game in, in the next segment because it was it was it was brilliant. But he had a play where um, Lamar Stevens like actually got him on a pump fake, but as he was flying by, he he just stuck his left hand in there and, and stripped the basketball, got it right back for the Knicks, um, and, and then had another one with two forty to go where Stevens would have had a layup, but Isaiah Hartenstein recovered just just caught up with his verticality um, and, and allowed Emmanuel quickly. I think, oh, no, it was Quentin Grimes to get a strip on that play. And then another one, and, and just inside the final three minutes, um, he, was, he was out on the perimeter um, just, just doing, doing the pick and roll dance, guarding the roll man, and dove to the rim when he saw Stevens behind him. It, it, was, like a, it was like what Mitchell Robinson's been doing of late, where Mitchell Robinson, I mean, he had another one in this game where he recovers from the opposite block to get a swap, but – Hardenstein's mobility, his hands, and his just his overall tenacity are really flashing defensively. And and, and to circle back, while, while we're talking about the defense in the fourth quarter, it's like, all right, you still you still need some shot making on the other end. And, and look, the Knicks 
The Knicks got some in the first five minutes of those fourth before Brunson checked back in with seven minutes to go. Hard hit a big three, but it was Brunson taking them home down the stretch. Donovan Mitchell got this big dunk with about four and a half minutes left in the game. That made it 120 to 111. And then Brunson just comes right back down, pull up three. It was it was a dagger. Um, and at that from that point forward, I, I wasn't worried about the Knicks potentially losing the game. Um, then a blow by layup again when Cleveland cut it to nine to make it 125 to 116. And then another three, 128, 116. It was even over um, at that point for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about what this game portends for these two teams if they are to match up in the playoffs. But before I do that, I got to tell you about our fans over at FanDuel. Um, and there, there's good reason for it. It's because the NCAA tournament final four tonight, it's heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel because it's America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today. To claim your no sweat first bet, then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, guys, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Um, the New York Knicks, uh, no Julius Randle, no problem, 130 to 116 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. And look, there, there are going to be points where the Knicks really miss Randall's shot making. This game was an offensive bonanza. Cleveland um, had 47 in the first quarter. It was the most points the Knicks had given up in any quarter this season. The Knicks scored 42, right? I mean, the, the shot making on both sides was was just absurd. And, and we we all we always talk about, I mean, there, there's an issue in the NBA, right, where there's no defense. And, and there are rule changes that can be put into place, I, I think, that are – that allow teams to have a little bit more of a chance on that side of the ball. But I mean, tonight there was playing this game with the medicine ball and it probably wouldn't have mattered the way both teams were shooting. And I, I struggled to, to know if, well, I, I guess I don't really struggle with, I, I, I don't think this is representative of, of what a playoff series will be like because Cleveland's the, the number one defense in basketball they didn't have Jared Allen. Um, and when they have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, it allows, uh, not to mention Isaac Okoro, who's who outside of Mobley's um, pretty easily their best perimeter defender. Um, but having those two bigs allows Cleveland to press up on the perimeter in a different way. And some of the shots that the Knicks were hitting, because I mean, it wasn't just Brunson. It was Quinn Grimes who finished three for eight from three, including a four-point play. Manuel quickly hit two threes. R.J. Barrett took seven attempts, but he hit two threes. Obi Toppin went two for two from behind the arc. Cleveland's going to be able to apply a different level of perimeter pressure. And Isaac Okoro is not going to stop a Jalen Brunson, but he's going to give a Jalen Brunson more difficulty um, than Brunson had in this one. So this wasn't the Cleveland team that the Knicks are going to be seeing in round one. That being said, I, I do think there's stuff that you can take away from this game because we we talked about it um, the other day when we had Evan Damarell on the podcast. And it's it's going to be a series that comes down to, all right, like can Jalen Brunson 
punished Darius Garland and, and Emmanuel quickly punished Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell more on defense, then those two can punish the Knicks on defense. And, and there's going to be a lot of matchup hunting and it's going to come down to, I mean, just how, how much stamina someone like Jalen Brunson has when he's put into the action over and over and over again, defensively, like, can he still come out game after game, particularly if Randall is still hobbled and, and put together performances like this one? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to doubt the guy after last night, but it's, it's something to think about. And then if Brunson isn't cooking like this and Julius either isn't playing or isn't a hundred percent, how are the Knicks going to find other sources of offense? And I, I think we got a couple of answers to that question in this ball game. Um, one is Isaiah Hardenstein's passing. He finished with four assists um, to complement five points, eight rebounds, two steals and three blocks. And as, as I noted before, it was just, it was uh, about as, as well played of a game defensively um, from a center as you will see in the NBA. It was, it was, it was, it was that good, but offensively he, he did so much good stuff. I mean, first bucket of the game was something we've hardly seen him do this year where he, he pulled off the Obi trick. It was, it was a fake dribble handoff, whether you want to call it ghost DHO, QB keeper, doesn't matter. Went right at Robert Lopez, um, drove by him and laid it in. Um, had a really nice play with Emmanuel quickly. And I'm not sure if this was called sideline or just, just a bit of improv from the two picks that are, are, are maybe best at that, um, where, where quickly was inbounding, threw it into Hardenstein. Hardenstein was out on the perimeter, so he was uncovered. And, and then uh, quickly just cut right behind him. I heart um, just handed it off to quickly, quickly, uh, drain the three and it it's a continuing trend now with I, I promise not to get sidetracked here because I want to I, I want to talk about Isaiah Hartenstein but it is a continuing trend with Emmanuel quickly where he is starting to get used more and more like Steph Curry and we, we saw a couple of those those quick trigger threes and this was a, a classic uh, Draymond Green Steph-esque two-man game between these two where you leverage the fact that the big man um, is not being guarded, and the defense is trying to leverage the fact that the big man doesn't have to get guarded by packing the paint. And then if you have a great shooter, you can just say, all right, we're just going to use him as a screener. And because your big is in drop and, and he's all the way back in the paint, um, our shooter is going to get a wide open three. That's what happened. So that was, that was a nice bit of improv. Um, had, a, had just a dime uh, to Josh Hart to open the fourth quarter, um, bounce pass, splitting two defenders, and then, and then topped it. Um, with essentially the same exact pass on a give and go to Deuce McBride with McBride cutting off of Hartenstein um, on the on the right wing and Hartenstein just hitting him back for a dunk. And it is such a it is such a benefit for Hartenstein to to play with Deuce, to uh, play with Hart because those guys love cutting off the ball. And my favorite part about RJ playing with the bench unit is it's it's reinvigorated his his desire to uh, cut off the basketball because he had uh, Get another one this game um, when iHeart uh, was on the left block and just picked up his dribble and RJ cut right off it straight to the rim for a layup. That was brilliant. Um, so that's, that's going to be um, something Cleveland obviously is going to scout for, but, and, and they are going to give Hartenstein obviously a wide berth whenever he has a basketball, like if he wants to shoot, but they just started with, quickly like having him on the floor having Grimes on the floor in those situations makes it difficult for Cleveland because you have to play up on those guys and then they can either back cut you to death um or if you give iHeart room like he he can just he can just wait and just meticulously pick out cutters because he he has a lot of confidence now in throwing those passes the other thing the Knicks 
did well um, in, in terms of ways to, to scrounge points without Randall was uh, letting Obi top and run the floor again. And it, look, it certainly helped Obi's night. Like if, if you, you look at his box score, if he's 0 for 2 from 3 instead of 2 for 2 from 3, it doesn't look quite as appealing. But he had a, a really pivotal stretch late in the third quarter of this game um, where, where the Knicks defense was forcing turnovers and Obi was was leveraging it. I mean, had one where, where Brunson just threw like a 60-foot one-handed cross-court pass to him on a dime. Um, and he was just patient, pump fake, finish, ran the floor hard for another contested layup. Then Donovan Mitchell lost the ball, trying to split a double team. Obi again, runs the floor hard, big dunk. Um, as much of that as possible. And those are, those are important plays because obviously there's so much stuff that Randall does in terms of isolation, in terms of um, self-created threes uh, that Obi just can't do. But what Randall can't do that Obi can do is run the floor like that. So that that is a kind of a key pivot point for the Knicks uh, going forward. Uh, I want to get into uh, some of the remaining guys for New York. Emmanuel quickly, uh, maybe a little bit more love for Josh Hart. Mitchell Robinson, who had about as good of an offensive rebounding game as you will ever see in the NBA. Uh, Quentin Grimes cooking again and R.J. Barrett. Uh, but before I do that on Lockdown Knicks. We got to take uh, one final break and then we'll come back and talk about everyone else that next on Lockdown Knicks. All right, guys, we are back on the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Um, the New York Knicks, um, all but clinching a playoff spot, 45 and 33. Um, they are now um, two and a half games up on Brooklyn, uh, four and a half up on Miami. So that that is done. Miami no longer a threat. Brooklyn essentially no longer a threat, and by beating Cleveland, um, essentially ensuring that that is going to be the Knicks' first-round matchup. Um, let's start off with the man quickly, because I, I I found his usage in this game to be interesting. It feels like with, with Randall out, the coaching staff doubled down on the notion that quickly has the ultimate green light. And I thought in some ways that was maybe to his detriment in this one as after hitting um, just an insane three to beat the first quarter buzzer, pump fake, got his guy to fly by. I think it was Osmond and just, you just leaned right under him um, to make it. Um, he, I, I know I make the comparison, so I'm guilty of it, but he, he played the rest of this game. Like he was Steph Curry, like quick trigger threes, airballed one of them. Um, and I, it wasn't a particularly efficient night for him, um, by his recent standard of play, really by any standard of play, it was just five for 16, um, from three point range, only shot three free throws, made two of them, but that is, that is going forward. I think something to watch where like, there just has to be a consistency in his approach and his confidence is, is obviously what has gotten him to this point. So it's a very delicate balance to then tell him no because none of us want to go back to and, and obviously we're not going to but none of us want to see the early season quickly who was passing up open threes over and over and over again but he can't get away from his mid-range game he can't get away from attacking the rim where again in this game he was just brilliant I mean had another just like one of those like euro steps where he just cuts through two different guys in transition and finishes it with an inside hand reverse layup like that that to me is, is maybe his signature new move this season um had a, a similar one in the half court where he got an and one on uh, robert lopez 
he was getting to the rim. Like he, he had a play where um, Brunson, I mean, this was just such a perfect job leveraging the gravity that Jalen Brunson brings to the table. The defense was tilting towards Brunson and Brunson just like rapidly whipped a pass over to quickly, quickly, no hesitation, Mitchell out of position, attacked the rim, drew the foul. Like that, that is a great way to leverage Jalen Brunson when he's having a hot game. And it's a great job being decisive by Emmanuel quickly. And, and all I'm saying in this is, is like he, he can't have games where he forgets his mid range game and he forgets his ability to get to the rim and get to the foul line, because that those are the bellwethers of his efficiency. And, and once he finds that um, consistency night to night, um, in, in terms of going to the rim again and again and again, getting to his spots in the mid-range again and again and again, the same way Jalen Brunson just spams the mid-range. I mean, that that to me is one of the qualities that makes a great score in the NBA. It's a degree it's a degree of shamelessness. It's knowing that all right, even if I miss four in a row, if I take another eight, I am going to be efficient. Honestly, it's, it's kind of R.J. Barrett's best quality and, and his worst quality because it's not always true for R.J. that if he takes another eight, they're going to start going in. But quickly could do well to develop that mentality in the mid-range. I don't hate him having that mentality from three, but I think he is served well by a wide dispersal in terms of the areas of the floor that he is attacking. Um, and that is going to keep him efficient on a night-to-night basis. And, and if he's always hitting his twos, he's always hitting his mid-range shots, that, that is the key to Jalen Brunson's efficiency, right? Because then it, it's the difference for Brunson. Like, like when the twos are going in, he's going to have a 25, 27-point game. When the threes start dropping, he's going to have a 35 to, as we see, 48-point type game. And I think quickly can start hitting the lower end of those ranges if he finds that same consistency. Um, Josh Hart, we mentioned game-changing defense in this one, game-changing rebounding, and, and also just just some big jump shots from him. Um, he one across the lane um, near the end of the first quarter where it was like, all right, just wow, every, everything's going in for everyone. But he, he has that shot in his back late in the shot clock. It's either it's either a spin move to his inside hand or it's going right to left to hit a fader um, on that left elbow. And that's like if he's if he's within 15 feet, he can he can make those types of shots. Um, and then just a massive three with 943 left. It was 107, 104. Um, and, and that doubled up the lead. Um, he was just just good off-ball movement when the defense wasn't really paying attention to him to get open for that one. And to me, those types of shots are going to be what swings the series one way or another against Cleveland. Under the bright lights of the playoffs, if those are going in, the Knicks can win this series, even even without Julius Randle. It's going to be extraordinarily difficult if Randle doesn't come back and, and isn't basically who he's been all year, which is a tall task. But if Hart hits those types of shots, the Knicks have a good chance. If he misses that shot, I think this game maybe tilts in Cleveland's favor. They come back down, they tie the game. Tips has to rush to get Jalen Brunson back in there. And all of a sudden you're, you're in a dogfight with, with two of the best shot creators in the league in Garland and Mitchell down the stretch. So that was huge. Um, Quinn Grimes. Um, there, there's this great uh, stat from B-Ball Index coming into the game. I think we've referenced it before this year, but he's the, the highest um, matchup difficulty in the NBA. Like out, out of every single play in the league, he gets the toughest matchups night in and night out. And when, when you look for him, struggling offensively that is maybe something um i've i've been guilty of underrating um because there there is a fatigue that comes with that even even on nights when he's only playing 22 to 24 minutes um but he that that is no longer an issue he's 
uh, this was uh, late third quarter, so maybe shot a couple more threes, but his reference on the MSG broadcast, 26 of his last 49 from distance. So over a pretty decent sample size, that's shooting 53% from three for about a month now. Um, for anyone who, who hesitated um, or um, was uh, reluctant um, about him as a shooter, uh, fear no more. <laughs> the guy is, is a special, special, special shooter of the basketball a great defender and somehow um, packs a, a brilliant pump and go game in there as well. Had, an, had another one in this game where he um, blew right by Mobley, uh, set up Obi for one of his, one of his two threes um, on top of hitting on top of hitting his own threes on top of making big defensive play after big defensive play in this one. And look, Mitchell was, Mitchell was torching him at points. Donovan Mitchell is going to torch everyone. Donovan Mitchell is going to torch Drew Holiday. If he's out there, he's going to, it would torch Gary Payton in his prime if he's out there like that's that is no mark um against quentin grimes um to wrap this one up shout out to mitchell robinson just played with great physicality in this game nine offensive rebounds dominated that aspect of the matchup with evan mobley and and just the level of explosiveness from him like i wonder if there's a greater sense of urgency for him with how well Isaiah Hartenstein is playing and, and and there's some part of Mitch that's like, all right, I just, I gotta raise my game or else he's going to be the guy who closes games night after night. And Mitch did his own version of that. He can't bring the passing that Hartenstein brings. Um, in some ways, Hartenstein, I think is playing even better than Mitch defensively right now, but what Mitch has that Hartenstein can't replicate that no one outside of Steven Adams in the NBA can replicate is his ability to just take over games, earn the Knicks extra possessions. And that's another one of those areas down Julius Randle, that becomes all the more important that the Knicks get more shots than their opponents. And man, Mitch makes that possible. Second and third efforts against Evan Moby to get to the free throw line, like catching um, a Jalen Brunson air ball at one point and, and, and scoring as he was fouled and falling to the ground. Um, and then just the explosive rim protection on the other end, cutting from one block to the other to pin a Donovan Mitchell shot. Uh, but he was, he was really good in this game um, in, in his own way. Uh, RJ Barrett, tough night again, six for 17. I was, I was throwing my hands up in frustration uh, for everyone commenting on Twitter, commenting on YouTube. When we defend RJ, when RJ has a good stretch, like, I mean, this, this is one of those nights where I agree with you. Um, and I, and I think the Knicks would be better off without him for the first two, three quarters of this game. And then I thought in the fourth quarter, he played really well. Like he was very solid on defense. Um, had that off ball cut. We mentioned had a tough layup and then a push shot, um, that are, are just plays that, no one else can make when Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are off the floor. And if you're, if you're Tom Thibodeau and if you're a Knicks fan, you got to live with some of the laps on defense. You got to live with some of the inefficiency um, for him to make shots like that. Or maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you want quickly taking those shots. Maybe you want Grimes taking those shots. That is a conversation that is going to have to be had um, for fans, but more importantly for the Knicks front office um, this off season is there were, there were real issues with RJ in this one again, um, it, it, it was an automatic lob, but had a play where he looked Obi off on a lob. And those two got into like a, a, a shouting match um, on the sideline, um, or, like kind of getting in each other's faces. And then, and then we're fine after the timeout. And, and look, they're both, they're both great dudes. So I don't, I don't think that is an issue in terms of like there being animosity there long-term, but it is an issue in that all season long, we've seen Obi get incredibly frustrated with RJ Barrett. We've seen the guy, basically doing jumping jacks under the rim, waiting for RJ to throw him the ball. And, and those passes 
never coming. And that builds and builds and builds and builds. And, and at a certain point, it boils over. It boiled over a little bit in this game. In the playoffs, it, it could boil over in a, in a way that's more destructive. Um, I don't think it will because of who Obi is as a person, who RJ is as a person. But that has to be remedied. RJ has to start making those reads. And there has to be a consistency in his approach to the game in terms of his unselfishness, in terms of seeking out the extra guy and not having tunnel vision. So um, uh, sorry for the the bit of pessimism to wrap this one up. You know, but we'll, we'll, we'll end on an optimistic note. Ten great minutes from Deuce McBride. Two points, one assist. Nothing else in the box score I don't think replicates or, or represents his effort. Played some excellent defense. We mentioned that backdoor cut. Um, he was great. He's going to fill in really well. Um, for for just like the couple minutes or so that the Knicks need from him every night, as long as Julius Randle's out. And I think particularly against Cleveland, if Randle's out, uh, we're, we're going to see Deuce play 20 minutes in a game here or there because he's, he's going to be maybe the one guy who can give Mitchell or Garland um, some fits. And, that, and it's going to be tough because those guys are incredible. But a big win for the Knicks. Um, yeah, just, just, just a testament to um, not only the resiliency of this team, but the talent of this team. It, 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 it's, it's fun to talk about them as, as a cute, a, a cute group that is playing above their heads. And, and at some point is just going to get smacked by a more talented team. I don't, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I, I just, I, I think with the way Grimes is working with the way quickly is working with the level that Jalen Brunson is hitting with what Isaiah Hartenstein is doing, this is just flat out one of the three or four deepest teams in basketball. They don't have the top end talent of some of the teams that are ahead of them, but their depth is almost unmatched. And the number of there, there's just so much value in the NBA of only playing good guys. And even with Julius Randle out, the Knicks only seem to play good guys. And and that was that was enough tonight against Cleveland.